There's an old joke. Stop me if you've heard it or maybe just fast forward through this part. A lady buys a parrot. She gets it home and finds out that all this parrot knows is dirty words, foul language, foul, coming from a foul, of course. Uh, it's just a long string of four-letter words in the worst language you ever heard. In frustration, she calls up her preacher and says, is there anything you can do to keep this parrot from cussing? He says, bring it on by. Let me see what I can do. The parrot comes to the preacher's house. Again, just a string of four-letter words. The preacher lays hands on the parrot and prays and it cusses and cusses and cusses. He kicks out his Bible and he reads the Bible to it for hours and the parrot is constantly just with this filthy, filthy language. And finally in frustration, the preacher grabs the parrot, opens his freezer door, shoves it in and slams the door. The parrot, he can hear it cussing and fuming as it's in the freezer, but after a few minutes it settles down. He leaves the parrot in there for about an hour and after a while, he cracks the door open and says, are you going to behave yourself? And he hears from inside, yes, we're not going to have any more dirty words, are we? And the parrot says, no. And he lets the parrot out and the parrot starts to warm up. And finally, the parrot says, I'm sorry if my language offended you. And the man says, thank you. And the parrot says to the preacher, I just have one question. And the preacher says, what is it? And he said, what did the chicken in there say? <laughs> you know, if there's, if there's one place where we know we all need work, it's with our language, whether our language is foul or whether our language is bitter, whether our language is angry, whether we're constantly down on other people and constantly down on ourselves. We hear ourselves quite loudly, even the things we mutter under our breath. We can hear them very loudly and we get frustrated with ourselves. Why did I say that? Why do I keep saying these things? We bite our tongue, we bite our lip, we chastise ourselves, and we probably come close to locking ourselves in the freezer if we thought it would help. Chapter 3 of James focuses on the words that we use, the things that we say, things that are good and things that are bad. Sadly, of course, mostly things that are bad. But it's not just that James wants us to have clean and positive speech. The issue begins in verse 1 of James chapter 3, where he writes, "...not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness." And while he applies this to those in teaching positions, those in leadership, those in positions of influence in the church, the point is made for everyone. There are people around us who are listening to us. They hear the things that we say. Do they hear speech that points them to Jesus? Do they hear our allegiance to him in the things that we say? Again, verse 1 not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that, they're, so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue 
is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. We've all felt that, haven't we? We've felt the power of the tongue and the difficulty of taming it. We've had those moments where we've said, if I had just kept my mouth shut, if I just hadn't said that, everything would be fine. We could spend all day beating ourselves up over the words that we've used, the the things that we've said, but instead, I, I don't think that would be very productive, and instead, I don't think that's why James wrote this. Instead, let's hear the warning, and let's hear the promise that we have from God. We hear these words from James, and we know the truth of these words. We've felt the truth. If you don't control your tongue, it will control you. Now, my Bible at the beginning of James chapter 3 has a heading, and the heading says, Taming the Tongue. It's an interesting choice of headings because James goes on to say that's That's impossible. It's not possible for us to tame our tongues. Uh, Continuing on with verse 5, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. There it is in the very last verse there in verse 8. No human being can tame the tongue. The tongue is a fire, James says. Not a campfire that keeps you warm. Not a nice warm fire in the fireplace on a cold winter night, but a spark that becomes a blaze, a, a spark that becomes a blaze that's out of control. You know, with all the news this last year in 2020, all the news about COVID-19, a lot of us here in the Midwest and maybe other parts of the world forgot that we started out the last year with Australia on fire, with the wildfires in Australia. Over 20 million acres were burned. Thousands of homes were destroyed. Not sure how many lives were lost, but many, many lives were lost. And how did it all start? There's a lightning strike here, a spark over there, an accidental fire over here, and sadly, maybe a few fires that were set on purpose. And it became a blaze that took over the entire continent, a blaze that was out of control. And James is saying, our tongues are like that. They have that kind of destructive power. It's not just about what our tongues destroy, though. It's about what our tongues reveal about us. The way that we speak, the things that we say, that gives away the contents of our hearts. We go on in verse 7, or picking up again in verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. For with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. You hear those last words. These things ought not to be 
So that's a rebuke for every one of us. James is saying we know better. You know better. There is no excuse for this kind of language. And yet, let's be honest, we'll make excuses anyway. I've heard excuses. I've used the excuses. Ah, it's just... It's just guy talk. That's the way guys talk when you get guys together. I've heard, I've heard good Christian people make excuses for some of the worst language imaginable by saying, well, that's just, that's just locker room talk. That's how people are when they're, when they're being free, when they're feeling open, when they're able to say those kind of things. Is that what James is saying? Is James making excuses? Is James saying that locker room talk is okay? What about James's brother? I've mentioned before that very likely this James is Jesus's younger brother, his half-brother, the son of Mary and Joseph. What does Jesus say about the words we use? Well, in Matthew chapter 18, or excuse me, chapter 15, verses 18 through 20, Jesus says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. We've got to stop making excuses. And we've got to start agreeing with the Word of God when we hear and when we say some very horrible things. Things that ought not to be so. We know better and we can do better. If you don't control your tongue, it will control you. James continues in verses 11 and 12. Does a spring pour forth this from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Nature has no duplicity. <laughs> Nature has no hypocrisy. What you see is what you get. If you see a fig tree, you know there won't be olives on it. If you have a freshwater spring on your property, you're not going to get salt water out of that. Folks, we got to own this. We need to own this problem. Sometimes we don't sound like people of faith. Sometimes we don't sound like people who have pledged allegiance to the heart of Jesus. People are listening to us. Our neighbors are listening. The people around us are listening. When they hear you, they're going to know what you're about. And so what will they hear and what will they know? The question we've got to ask ourselves is, do we choose our words wisely? Are we making careful and wise choice of the words that we use? I know, I know James is talking a lot about tongues here and the, the language that we use, and he's hitting on the inconsistency of our speech. But the topic of this chapter is not just the use of our tongues. The topic is wisdom. In fact, wisdom is a major theme all the way through James. It began back in chapter 1, verse 5, where he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. The question isn't just about what we say, but what do our words say about our wisdom? Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? 
by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Do do people hear wisdom coming from us? Are we choosing our words wisely? What do people hear from us when we speak? What do people hear from us when we speak out, when we speak up? Now, Now understand, it's not just a question of being cautious about what we say. It's about being cautious of the source going on in verses 14 and 15. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and unspiritual and demonic. For where, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Salt water cannot come forth from a, from a spring of fresh water. We, we get that when we hear bitterness coming from ourselves, when we hear jealousy, when we hear anger, when we hear these things, do we even have to ask, is that from God? No, we, we know better. None of these things are pure. None of these things reflect the heart of Jesus. At best, we see our own selfishness in those kind of words. And at worst, what we hear is demonic, is from a source that is very different than God. Does that belong in our hearts? Does that belong coming from our mouths? These things, James says, these things ought not to be so. But there is another source of wisdom that James points us to. Verse 17, James says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Does that sound familiar? A couple years ago, we spent the entire year looking at the fruit of the Spirit. I hear verse 17, and I can't help but think, now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control. I hear the agreement in what James is saying here. I hear a consistency in what James is saying here. There's a lot that our world calls wisdom. There's a lot that to us might even sound very wise. But is it producing these characteristics? Is it, is it open to reason? <laughs> More importantly, is it pointing to the godliness that's within us? Are we seeing more and more of Christ in our hearts? Are we hearing more and more, more and more of Christ in our words? Are we seeing more of Christ in our actions, in our works, in the things that we do in allegiance to Him? You know, for James and for us both, it all comes down to verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James has been pointing us to speech that makes peace, wisdom that makes peace. And he brings it down to, well, what is a very familiar image in our little farming community, planting and harvesting. We understand harvest in our little farming community. We understand that harvest doesn't come all at once, and it certainly doesn't come immediately. There are seasons that we go through between planting and harvest. It takes time. It takes time and patience moving through those seasons. And the call is to ask 
The, the call that James is, is asking for us is to, is to look into our own lives and ask the question, what is being sown? What's being sown today through my speech, through my thoughts, through the things that I'm dwelling on? What's being sown and will, will it lead to peace? The simple realization for James and for you and me is that what you say, that's what you sow. <laughs> what you say is what you sow. It's been a very direct path to this last verse of James chapter 3. James began that not many of us should become teachers. Not many of us should have that kind of influence over other people. And then he went into the danger of allowing our unchecked words to influence others about who we are and about what we stand for. It's not just that, but the realization that our own words come from some source of wisdom and we should be concerned as to what that source is. And he brings it down to this very simple statement in verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness. A harvest of right behavior. A harvest of a right relationship with God is sown in peace. Now before, if you go back to verse 6. James said, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Listen to your words. Do they sound like the kind of words that can produce a right relationship with God? A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I hear something of Jesus again in those words from Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Hear the full weight of that beatitude, of that promise, that blessing there. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. They will be identified with Jesus, with the Son of God. What did Jesus lay down to make peace with us? He laid down his whole life for you, for me, for peace with us. Is it too much to ask? Is it too much to ask that we lay down our hurtful words? That we lay down our caustic speech? That we lay down our bad attitudes? That we lay them down to seek something better? To seek to produce something or harvest something better in our lives and in the lives of other people? What you say is what you sow. That's what you're planting in your life and in the lives of others. And if people are hearing from us bitterness, anger, and selfishness, what, what is that going to produce? It cannot produce peace, uh, not peace with God and not peace with other people. And can we go ahead and make the jump here and realize that today, not all speech is verbal, not all speech uses the tongue, but a lot of speech uses our fingers as well. So much of the speech that defines us is not a matter of just of what we say, but of what we post, what we share online. It's not just a matter of what you say is what you sow. What you post, that's what you plant as well. I've shared this before. I think there are kind ways that we can help ourselves and that we can help others correct the problems that we have with our speech. 
There are times when I've heard someone saying some very unkind things and hurtful things, angry things, and there are times when I've had the wherewithal to stop and say, you know, it's, it's really hard to hear the love of Jesus and what you're saying right now. Is there some way that you can rephrase that where I can hear the love of Jesus? And if not, is there a chance you shouldn't be saying that? Sometimes I've had to say that to others. i got to be honest, a lot of times I've had to say that to myself. More often than not, I've had to say that to myself. Your heart would benefit from hearing the love of Jesus coming out of your own mouth. A few years ago, as we were in the process of building this new church building, I was interviewing a couple of the ladies from the church. I did a little video with them, with Mary Ellen Lawher and Viva Pinnell. These two ladies have been in, that, have been in this church their entire lives. I, Viva was here a, a week after she was born, and, and they had grown up in this church. They had been in Sunday school as little kids. They had been in the cradle roll class, the toddler class. They had made their way through for years. They went on to serve in this church and to help in worship. They led music. They, they, they played music. They did some wonderful and beautiful things here. They were such a blessing to us. And to spend some time talking to them and putting that video together, I listened to the details of their early years here at Kansas Christian Church. They talked about being in Sunday school class every week. They talked about the consistency of that presence and the consistency of the things they did and the things that they were taught. Listen to them right now. Listen to these ladies right now as they describe that experience as children in Kansas Christian Church. And we sat at those little tables, and I remember getting little bunny rabbits to put on our name when we were there, when we were present. We got a little bunny rabbit, and we would sing songs. We stayed in that nursery until we were older, and then, then we went to, uh, we would have our opening exercises in the sanctuary. And every Sunday we sang Onward Christian Soldiers, every Sunday. And at the end we would say, let the words of my mouth and the and meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. And then we would go to class. <laughs> the words that they recited were from Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. They repeated those words every Sunday morning. In fact, I remember telling them as we were doing the interview, I said, oh, that's from Psalm 19. They didn't even realize it was in the Bible. I had to tell them that. They just simply repeated those words consistently week after week. And I think about that all those years later, they still remembered. You can see Mary Ellen mouthing the words along with Viva. What kind of influence did that have on them? to have that kind of consistency, to be in church week after week saying those kind of things? What kind of, what, what kind of influence did that consistency have on them? How did that change them? What if we committed that the words of our mouths might be acceptable in God's sight? There are too many people around us, too many people in our lives who, whose lives have been influenced by unacceptable words. 
Too often, if we're honest, it's the words we tell ourselves. It's the times we tell ourselves, I'm no good, I'm a wreck, no one cares, nobody loves me. The times we tell ourselves, I can't do it, I can't get better, I can't get free from this addiction, I can't get free from this attitude, I can't get free from this guilt. That wisdom is not from above. Those are not the words of Jesus for you. So the words of peace in your life and you'll harvest His peace for yourself. And realize the words you sow in other people's lives, the words you say to others, they're planting something. They're planting something in them also. So why not plant peace? Why not plant mercy? Why not plant the love of Jesus? Let's commit now to a season that will come when we will harvest righteousness. It's not going to happen all at once. It won't get here today. But let's start now with the things that we say, the things that we sow, and let's see how God can use our words. When Christ gave His all to us, it was to take away all that was within us that was not of Him. It was to take away all unrighteousness. It was to take away all of that uncleanliness. uncleanness. Well, let's remember that today as we take communion. It's so easy for us to beat ourselves up because we, rec we recognize when we fail, we, we hear it in our speech way too often. Well, let's, remind us, let's remind ourselves today of what Christ took away for us. And let's commit to keeping it away. Let's commit to a harvest of righteousness that begins today with some words of peace. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the promise that we have from your Son. Lord, there's so many people that are carrying things around and they're, they're carrying guilt and they're carrying shame and they're carrying their pain. And yet every one of those have been removed through your Son, Jesus. And so as we take communion today, let us remind ourselves of what Christ gave for us, that in giving his body and giving his blood and giving of himself, he took away all of those things that would keep us from righteousness, keep us from a right relationship with you. Lord, how dare we pick those back up? And so would you, through your spirit, continually encourage us with words of peace. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. God bless. Go in peace.